Thanks for tuning in to the IGM podcast. We're so glad you've decided to explore God's word with us. We look forward to connecting with you in email at infointegritygm.com or online at our website, www.integritygm.com. We hope this podcast encourages you to grow in the knowledge of God through his word. Be blessed. Blessings to everyone today in the name of Yeshua, the Messiah, in the name of Jesus, the Christ. Today, we're going to attempt to finish Romans chapter 6. We're looking at verses 15 all the way through verse 23, and we're going to finish this chapter that's going to flow into one of the most important chapters and misunderstood and misinterpreted chapters, and that's chapter 7. So it is extremely important that we understand what Paul is saying right now as we flow into chapter 7. Verse 15 is a response to what is being said in the first 14 verses. And the last verse, verse 14, says this, For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. And as a reminder to everyone, as we looked at these previous verses, it is the grace of God that breaks the bondage of sin. The law makes sin utterly sinful. It makes a person aware of their actions. Is it right or is it wrong? But the law does not break the bondage of sin. It is the grace of God through a life in the Spirit, chapter 8, that brings us into a relationship with God whereby we can cry out, Abba, Father. And it's the Spirit of God that is within us that produces the character of God, the fruit of God, and a life that is set apart for God's glory. The grace of God is the power of God that breaks the bondage of sin and sets us apart for His glory, like I just said. It is not the law of God that has the power to break the bondage of sin. So when we come to verse 15, he's anticipating the question that some may have, well, Paul, you're preaching about grace and not about the law, so therefore is that a license to sin? And let's look at verse 15. What then shall we sin because we are not under law, but under grace may it never be? Our whole mindset is not based upon understanding the grace of God as a license to sin, but the grace of God that breaks the bondage of sin and makes us a slave to righteousness. This is the mindset that we need to take with us and understand as believers. And just a question on this, Scott. You know, you see Paul kind of addressing this, and we talked about how he hasn't met the church at Rome, doesn't really know a lot about it like he did in his other letters to the Corinthians. But is this something he saw happening maybe in other congregations throughout the world at this time, or did he maybe preempt this through the Holy Spirit and say, you know, this is what some false teachers were going to say that can live in sin, and this is how the grace abounds even more? Great question, because what this question is bringing up, I believe, reflects the Hellenic worldview. And it's a philosophy known as Gnosticism that we're going to study later on when we get into John's writings, but even when we get to Colossians. And it is something as a philosophy that predates even the birth of the Messiah that we see within the Hellenistic world. We even see it within the Jewish community. And we see this understanding that our relationship with God is based upon a knowledge a faith that comes from the head, a knowledge that God has given to us, and it's separate from our life. And so this could be Paul, we don't know for sure, looking at the Hellenistic world. And when I say the Hellenistic world, the Greek culture, and even though 
these believers are in Rome, he is very aware of the mindset that exists within that culture, that you can have a knowledge of God, and yet that be separated from your life and what you do within your life. Because in Gnosticism, the spirit is good and the flesh is evil. And so as we're going through this passage, even though he doesn't know this congregation, he could be anticipating some that would take this concept of God's grace and use it for a license to sin. We are not under the law, we're under grace, and so that the law, so if we're not under the law, we can go out and do whatever we want to with our lives. And that is not what Paul is teaching. So let's look at verse 16. Do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness? So as believers that have been saved by God's grace through faith, we are a slave. Are we a slave to the world? Or are we a slave to God? And if we're a slave and we're obedient to God, this is resulting in right living, in righteousness, a life that glorifies God. And even to add to that, we're bond slaves. We choose this slavery. And so in choosing a slavery to righteousness, wow, all the blessings that will come from that are amazing. Yes, and in Paul's introduction, he introduces himself as a bondservant. And a bondservant is one that from the heart embraces his master and his life and his family and everything that he owns and every possession belongs to the master because from the heart he has chosen to stay under the authority of his master. That's how we are with the Lord Jesus Christ. We have been saved by the grace of God through faith in Christ. Now, as a bondservant, we are a servant of obedience that is resulting in righteousness, a life that glorifies God. And let's continue, verse 17. But thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin in the past, you became obedient from the heart, is what we're talking about to that form of teaching to which you were committed. It is something that Laura was talking about that's coming from inside of us, from the heart. We're not forced to do this. This is a relationship with God based upon God's grace. So from the heart, we are slaves unto God, slaves to righteousness. And having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. So it's not using the grace of God to stay in sin and to live in sin, but to recognize that the power of sin has been broken by God's grace, and now we are slaves of righteousness. So we don't get up in the morning wanting to do whatever we want to and live whatever life that we're wanting to, but we get up in the morning and say, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but it's Christ who lives within me. And this life that I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, the one who loved me and gave up his life for me. From my heart, I deny myself and take up my own cross and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. I do not belong to myself. I am a bond slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. I belong to him. It's not my life. It is a life set apart for God's glory. As a believer, because of God's grace, 
That is our response to the grace of God. Verse 19, I am speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, resulting in further lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, resulting in sanctification. When we look at this verse, it's talking about our past life. We presented our members to impurity and to lawlessness, and we look at this, and now we are to present our members to righteousness resulting in sanctification. Now, how do we understand sanctification? I don't like to define words by themselves, but normally we understand sanctification as set apart for God's glory. And so it's not a life that is lived for ourselves things that we did in the past, that we were controlled by the flesh, the sinful nature, but now we are responding to the grace of God that says from the heart that I belong to God and I am being set apart for God's glory, not to go back to that, but now I belong to God. Now verses 21 through 23, let's finish out this chapter. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. So in your past life, you were just living whatever way that you wanted to live. Hedonism, whatever I want to do, that's what I will do. Whatever brings self-fulfillment, that is the purpose of my life. That is your past life. This is not the life under God's grace. Therefore, verse 21, what benefit were you then deriving from the things of which you are now ashamed? When we look back at our past life, we should be ashamed. It should not be glorified. We should look back at it and be ashamed of the bondage of sin that was in our lives. For the outcome of those things is death. The wages of sin is death. It's not just physical death. It's spiritual death. It is separation from God. And we look at that, we should be ashamed of our past life. And so when you're giving your testimony about what God has done with your life, don't look back on the past and glorify it. We should be ashamed of that life that did not honor God, did not glorify God, and that should be our heart, that we're ashamed of the past. Now, verse 22 is speaking about the reality of our lives right now under God's grace. But now, having been freed from sin and enslaved unto God, you derive your benefit, resulting in sanctification and the outcome, eternal life. So if you compare verses 21 and 22, it's very similar to the comparison of what happened through the first man, Adam, and the man, Jesus Christ, the complete opposite. In verse 21, our past life is something that we should be ashamed of, of being in bondage to sin. But in verse 22, but now having been freed from sin... The grace of God does not give us the ability to live in sin. It's the grace of God that breaks the bondage of sin and frees us from that bondage of sin. And now we're enslaved unto God. We belong to God. We do not belong to ourselves. We do not gather together and assemble together for God to give us something. We are enslaved to God. We come to assemble together to worship God, to minister unto Him, to glorify God. Everything is about God, and now we have been set apart, resulting in being set apart, sanctification for God's glory, and the outcome of this is not death, 
the outcome of this is eternal life. Yeah, and I like how he has this comparison and uses the term slave. And, you know, here in our culture in the West and just modern days, that kind of has a negative connotation to it, slave to something. But, you know, Paul's saying the exact opposite when you choose to be a slave to Jesus Christ. You know, you get this reward, sanctification of eternal life. And, And a beautiful thing about the gospel is how when you give up your life, you actually become more free in so many yes. more ways than you could ever be free on your own. And it's a, it's a hard concept if you're, if you're not a Christian to understand that, but believers can see that when, once you give yourself over to Christ, He has your best interests at heart. You can trust Him. You know He's taking care of you. You know that you are secure in eternity with Him. It's just a peaceful, wonderful thing that you can know by giving yourself to Him. And if you don't do that, if you try to keep your own freedom, Paul tells you it's going to lead to death. It's the end of that, even though you might think you're free. You're not. The only way you're free is through Christ, being a slave to Him. So when we look at the phrase and what you're saying, Alan, and whom the Son has set free is free indeed. What are they free from? And that's the control of this world. The bondage to sin has been broken, and now we have the ability through the Son to be free to be a slave unto God, to live for God, to be set apart for God's glory, to honor Him. And that is true freedom. Yes, the word slavery all around the world has a negative connotation. Nobody wants to be a slave, but the reality is this. Either you're a slave to sin or you're a slave to God. And when we look at a bondservant to God in the Lord Jesus Christ, that is true freedom. That's whom I want to be enslaved to. This is the life I want to live from the heart. It is a life that does give me God's peace. The wrath of God is not against my life. I'm at peace with God. The love of God has been poured out into my heart through the Holy Spirit that was given to me. I have hope. I have joy. I have tribulation. I stand in God's grace. And that tribulation that I go through, the results of our justification, produces endurance and proven character to what? To continue to live for God. And that's a life of slavery to God, which means true freedom. That's what true freedom is. Yeah, and I like what you said too, Scott. This is a binary choice. You get two choices. You can either be a slave to the world, to yourself, your own desires, or you can be a slave to Christ and to God and to righteousness. So, you know, why not go all in on the one that doesn't lead to death? Because you only get two choices. There's no in the middle of... Well, I'll be, no slave, yeah, I'll be a slave sometimes, and then other times, no. No, you, you got to make one or the other choice, and Paul breaks it down that there's only two options there. Yes, and Laura's going to say something, but before she does, people that say all the time within themselves, well, nobody's going to tell me what to do, and they're, I'm not a slave to anybody, and they're not recognizing that sinful nature within them and that flesh, that fleshly desire has enslaved them to things that do not reflect God's character, and they are enslaved every single day, going from relationship to relationship, from this to that. There's not anything that's satisfying. There's not anything that's good enough. They find something that they think that's going to bring them happiness, and a short time later, they're not happy anymore. They're enslaved. But as a believer that's enslaved unto God, there is freedom And we live with the peace of God, and we've been justified and set apart for God's glory. And there is that peace of God and the love of God and the joy and the hope and the things that the world cannot give that only come through the Lord Jesus Christ and by God's grace.
I also think one of the consequences of being a slave to the world is the fear that you come under. If you're a slave to God, not only do you not have to fear God's wrath, but you don't have to fear the consequences of unrighteousness. I have no fear, if I'm living a righteous life, of consequences that come on me because it's blessings that come instead. And so I know that life as a person raised in a religion of works and not a religion of grace, that I was always afraid, afraid of what would happen by the consequences of my sin. I was afraid of punishment from my parents, consequences at school, and God. I didn't know if God accepted me because I knew my heart was so bad. But now that I'm a slave to God, I am free from that fear. Yes, and when we get to Romans chapter 8, we're going to see exactly what you're talking about. God has not given us a spirit of slavery leading to fear again. You see, the law condemns us. It shows us how bad we really are and how far we are away from God, and it doesn't break the bondage of sin, and there's condemnation that comes. And so when we get to chapter 8, God has not given us a spirit of fear leading to slavery again, but a spirit of adoption whereby as children we cry out, Abba, Father. And that's a relationship, that when we do sin, we don't run away from God knowing that the condemnation is upon our lives, but we have a relationship with God that we can cry out, Abba, Father, and run to Him. That's the reason why in chapter 8, verse 1, it says, There is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Chapter 7 is about a battle between the sinful nature and the law, and the law cannot set us free from the sinful nature. Only Jesus Christ, who is God's grace, can set us free and set us apart for His glory and live a life through the power of God's Spirit where we can cry out, Abba, Father. Now, I'm getting way ahead of us here, but this is what the gospel does in our lives. We need to understand we're changed from the inside out. And the lifestyle, the practicing of evil, the bondage of sin is broken by God's grace. So the last verse, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God, free gift, it comes from God. That's what grace is. It's free. It comes from God. We did not earn it. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That doesn't build a license to go out and sin. That builds a humility that says, God, I belong to you. You're my Abba Father. My life is for your glory. And I'm ashamed of the past. And God, there is a new way, new beginnings. There's newness of life. There is a new spirit that is within me. And Heavenly Father, guide me and direct me by the power of your spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time together. I pray that what we were teaching as we are attempting to teach your word, what Paul was saying to the believers at Rome, what it meant is what it means for us today. Let us grasp hold of this eternal truth that we are saved by your grace. And God, let us stand in your grace and let, we, let us understand your grace in the right way as not a license to sin, But, Lord, we are enslaved to you, 
and we have been set free by the power of Jesus Christ to be chained to righteousness, to be slaves to righteousness. And Heavenly Father, we thank you for this, and thank you, God, that we have been justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. If you'd like to learn more about IGM or have any questions about this podcast, feel free to reach out to us at info at integritygm.com and connect with us on Instagram at integrity underscore global and Facebook at Integrity Global Missions. If you like our podcast, please share it and leave a review. Thank you for listening. Have a blessed day.